Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Finally, we're going to finish off with the seven series in the vicinity of my calling, part five. Finally, we are on the sending part. We're going to go out. You know, and it's so strange, you know, when it comes to sending out or being sent out or to go and proclaim the message of the gospel, there's normally two very different camps. You know, people that can't wait, just can't we just get there? Can't we just go? We want to go on missions. We want to go and proclaim to the world that Jesus saves. And then there's a certain group that's a bit more hesitant. You know, and funny enough, it has nothing to do with being introverted or extroverted. It's just people with a passion. And I hope that our hearts can shift tonight for all of us to just again be ignited with a passion to go and share the good news of the gospel with the world out there. And our title for tonight, like I said, is part number five, Sent Once. And if there's something that should mark the church, you know, define us when the world looks at us, it's this term sent ones, to know that we are sent with a purpose, we live with that purpose, and we know that we are called to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel. And even if you just look at us being on earth, we are sent ones. Jesus' intent was never for us to be here forever. And we might think that way, that in the garden, maybe yes, they were supposed to be there now. But scripture says, before the foundation of the earth was laid, Jesus was crucified. God knew he would send his son. Before anything happened, before anything was established, before the first two people set foot on earth, God knew. It also says that in the Lamb's book of life were written all the names of those who would be saved. Before the foundation of the earth was laid. Not only did God know that he would send his son, but he knew for who he would send his son, who those were that was going to believe, that was going to be with him for forever in eternity in the new heavens and the new earth when the new Jerusalem comes down. So even here we are sent, we are here for a specific purpose. We are not yet by accident, but we are here to lift up the name of God and to proclaim his goodness. You know, and I think it was about a year or so ago, Werner preached a message also on you know being sent and to go and preach the message of the gospel to all the nations. He said, you know, many times we think about missionaries or people that are called to go overseas or to some weird place. And you think packing your bags, going there, you know, they might live with this idea of being sent. But we are here, we were sent here, you also packed your bags. And he actually used this example of said, okay, imagine yourself packing your bags, getting ready, praying to God, Lord, thanks that you sent me and we sent you were right where you now. He sent you there. The place where you work and where you live. You know, Heinrich asked that question when he spoke about the hope of his schooling. Why are you a teacher, engineer, home executive, whatever you are, with a revelation of who Jesus is? It's to go and proclaim that revelation to those who work with you, to those that are in the vicinity of where you are at. That is what we were called to do. As we, you know, and, and, and again, to just recap part one and two, you know, when Jesus calls us to be with himself, and we see him as he is, and we see his goodness, we see what he does in our lives, the inevitable outflow of that is to go and proclaim the goodness of Jesus. You know, to tell you guys a story, we were busy um, doing some, some outreach work at Westerland. Now every um, Thursday break time, wishes for Christ. 
And no, that people are really hungry. And for those of us who were in school, maybe you weren't saved then. I wasn't. But to go in your break time, to go and worship God, you know, that really shows something of God touching lives. And we were then, one day I was walking into the school and out comes a man. And he has a briefcase in his arm. But, you know, his whole demeanor and the whole way about how he looks at me and how he is. I just thought to myself, wow. I've never seen a guy, you know, more introverted, more shy than this man right here. So shy, you know, shying away, apologizing just for walking past someone. I thought, wow, what a shy guy. And we walked in and the people said, okay, there's a special guest that is coming to preach for us today. And he has a special message on his heart. And I'm kind of, whoa, this is exciting, you know, something new. I wonder who it is. And I turn around and here comes this guy. He just went and fetched something in the car. He forgets something. And I, I thought, wow, this is going to be interesting. And as he starts to preach, he also just tells us, you know, of his story, you know, being very introverted, obviously very shy guy, not full of self-confidence, you know, to go and proclaim a message to people. Very intimidating. And he says, but when Jesus saved him, he had a burning passion in his heart to go and proclaim to people about the goodness of God. And he says for weeks he walked around on the streets, standing there as the people, you know, came past him. He wanted to, to tell someone, but he just couldn't get it out of him in about third or fourth week finally he managed to say something and he started to share the message of the gospel with people and to this day that is what he does full time he works from some evangelical ministry and literally what this guy does every single day of his life he goes into Joburg well he's moving to Cape Town now but he, he lives in Joburg and he goes onto the trains walks through the rural areas and every year he his wife and his two kids will uproot themselves go live somewhere else so that they can reach that neighborhood. And he literally goes and just preaches the message of the gospel everywhere. And each week he would send through a WhatsApp about who he spoke to, what their prayer needs are, about how some people almost tried to hit him once. And you know, that happens quite, quite often. One of his weeks, someone always tries to hit him. But just this passion, I thought, wow, you know, if God can lead this guy to go out and go and share the message of the gospel, that is just an inevitable outflow of really encountering, really understanding, firstly, who God is, what he has done for us, and what the world needs. If we see those three things, the inevitable outflows, I'm going to go and share the message of the gospel of these people. But let's, let's read together Mark 3 from verse 13 to 15, and then we'll get into it. It says the following, and again, we need to understand the context where this finds itself, and again, and I explained it a couple of times as we went through the series, but this is after Jesus says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Jesus looking at the crowds, having compassion on them, going up on a mountain, praying to God, coming down, and he gives them this command, this calling, based upon, you know, that that need of the harvest. And it says the following. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles. So that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. And have authority to cast out demons. Now the first thing that I want us to just note here. When it comes to this scripture. We see the word and there. That and is Parallel statements, linking passages together. So whenever we see and, it's something that goes together. 
If you want to bake a cake, there's certain ingredients that you have to put in and this and that and this. You can't choose whether or not you want to put those in. If you want a cake, you need all of them. And this is the same. Same with the Great Commission. Jesus links them together with this parallel statements. And he says, and they came to him. And he appointed them so that he might send them. So they might be with him and might send them out to preach. And have authority to cast out demons. We can't, you know, select one of these. And many times in today's culture, we actually think that way. Some people are called to go out and proclaim the good news of the gospel, and others not. You know, some people, I know someone sitting here in church, you know, they have this idea that you don't need to use words. Just kidding, Tennis. It's an inside joke between me and him. But, you know, there's this statement that says, you know, always preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Well, the fact is it will always be necessary. We are called to go out with a message to go and proclaim you know whenever we read the books uh, of, of, of acts as the apostles went out they always proclaimed the message of the gospel i didn't find one encounter of someone coming up to someone and saying oh wow you really live a good life what's the secret it's not in there they tell them before they ask we have the secret this is it jesus came to save and now obviously I'm not saying that we should just go out you know, and print a t-shirt saying that I will preach the gospel to you or something like that. Obviously there's a place for that and our lives need to align with the message that we bring. And sometimes the Spirit will lead us, you know, especially with people that are very argumentative. You, know, you get an honest skeptic, someone that doesn't believe in God, but if you really engage with them, if you give them the truth, they will consider that and they're actually open to that. They, they don't just want to you know, fight with you and then you get a dishonest skeptic. Where people literally go to people and say to them, listen here, if I give you the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is, if I give you the, the reliability of scripture, will you believe? And they say, no, I still won't. So there's a place where God will lead us, you know, to just be a godly people and just to serve them in humility. Like Dan said, you know, that is many times the gate that we go through. Just consider the needs of others. And as we go through that, God opens the door and people start to warm up to us because they continuously are hostile towards us, but we're just loving to them, showing to them the message of the gospel and then preaching it as well. But we're always called to preach it. And like we said in the first couple of sermons, our you know, obedience to Jesus is directly linked to our love for Jesus. Out of love, we are obedient and Jesus calls us to go out. I know it's something difficult to hear for us, but if, if we don't want to go out, I'm not saying if we don't have the desire, but if we don't want to go out, we know we should go out and we don't, that's actually disobedience. Because Jesus says, I've called you to actively focus on going and making disciples of all nations. Something I want you to constantly pray about, think about, consider how am I going to reach these people? Am I continuously aware of what God has called me to? And I know we get distracted sometimes and we don't mean sometimes to, to you know, kind of forget about our great calling that we have received from God, but it does happen. But nonetheless, God says, just realign your hearts again. You know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, the love of Christ compels us to go out, that obedience. It's not something difficult for us, not something heavy for us, just like that, that shy man that I told you about. It's not something difficult or heavy for him. Actually, has a burning desire, and, and in this lockdown time, wow, we got a couple of messages from him where he's just devastated because he looks at people and he can't go out. Feels like he's in a cage, you know, something's wrong. I need to go and proclaim the good news of God.
because the love of Christ compels us. And Paul's writing there about the ministry of reconciliation. It's in that context. And then Jesus praying for the disciples in John 17, the high priestly prayer. He prays a lot of things for them, but in verse 18, Jesus says, Father, as you have sent me into this world, so I am sending them. And Jesus, obviously being very, very smart, knowing that some people might think, no, he's just praying this for the disciples. It's not meant for us. He says in verse 20, Lord, I don't only pray for them, but for everyone who's going to believe through their word. That is everyone that reads the Bible. Everyone that has heard a testimony, that has heard a testimony, it began with them and it spread to all of us. Every single one that were to believe from that day, that same prayer, to know Jesus, to be sanctified in truth, to be one that the world might know that he sent us and to be sent as Jesus was sent. That same prayer is then prayed for us as well. That takes us to point number one tonight. In the vicinity of my calling, point number one, and it's something we understand, you know, inherently there's at least some sense of it that we know is true. And that is every believer is called to preach the gospel. Every believer, not only some, all of us are called to preach the gospel. And then if we understand this, if we intentionally make this our own, if we live with this truth continuously before us, it changes our outlook literally to everything we do. You read scripture different. You pray different. You sit and listen to a sermon different. Because I'm continuously not only seeing whether this makes sense to me, whether I can apply this in my life, but we're consistently thinking, but how can I tell others this as well? You know, I don't know who of you here is. I think all of us, you know, in different facets of life maybe, but there's something that you need to, to go and do, you know, maybe a, a subject that you had in school or university. You weren't maybe quite fond of it. Maybe it was just most of it. Maybe just studying to get this degree. That's the main goal. And everything I learn, everything I consume, everything I hear in class, the main objective is to pass the test. And that's it. And the moment you're done writing the test, the information just gone. I wrote the test, but I'm not quite sure what happened there. don't really understand it, but I'm glad I'm passed. <laughs> and many times we face that, you know, as Christians, I don't know if this has maybe happened to someone, but we understand the things of Christianity, you know, we, we know why we believe what we believe, and we're sure that we can, if someone asks, you know, explain it to them, and then that day comes. And someone asks you a question, and you might even have thought, you know, this is quite a simple question, but then you just stand there, it's like, for some other reason, just left me. I'm not sure how to explain this now. I was certain before the time, but now when it came to it, I, I just can't articulate it well. I just don't find the words. And it's because whenever we sat there, maybe, you know, in counter one, speaking about the doctrine of salvation, baptism, just like maybe take baptism, for instance, because it's one that most people might even don't want to talk about because it brings up a little bit of friction. We understand why we should get baptized, but when someone else asks, it's, I don't know, I'm going to have to go check again. Because the outlook we had when we didn't count one might have been that we just wanted to see if we agree, if we understand, and it's fine, there's a place for that. But the focus was never that I need to actually go and teach this to someone else. I need to go and carry this truth into the world. 
And that is how it changes when we make this our own and when we live with this, with this truth of we are called to go and proclaim whatever we, hear, whatever we hear, whatever we receive, whatever God does in us and wants to do through us as well. And that changes it. True Christianity is a sent Christianity, just like Jesus. He was sent to come and save us. And so we are sent like Jesus. If we want to look like Jesus, we are sent once inherently. We understand this. But then obviously, the greatest you know, lie of the enemy, you don't have what it takes. But also a good line, we'll get to it in a moment. You don't have what it takes, you know, how are you going to go and proclaim the gospel? You're actually a shy person, you don't have the right words. But God does it through us, you know, the same elements that shape us are the same elements that we got sent out with. As we are the people of God in His presence, Hearing his word, that is the same things we could send out with through the leading of the Spirit with other believers to go and proclaim the word of God. And I want to read us, um, it's quite a long passage, it's 12 verses, but I really just want to see what happens here and what God is showing to his disciples at this moment. This is just after Jesus gave them the great commission, just after he ascended into heaven, he told them to go and wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, until you are filled with the Holy Spirit, just wait. Wait, they pray together. And this is just after he told him, you are going to have to go and make disciples of every nation. You can imagine what's going through the disciples' minds at the moment. How on earth are we even going to study each language? How are we going to, you know, they may be, you know, debating with themselves. Okay, you learn Greek. You know, you, you learn, you know, someone thinks about Africa and they're just like, oh, no. How on earth are we going to learn all that language and someone sitting in the corner, you know, Thinking about, you know, all the weird sounds that Africans use about how this is going to work. How is it going to look? But we have no idea. And this is a big mission. And God comes the very first day that he pours out his spirit and he reveals something to them. And I want us to focus on what God is showing to the disciples at this moment as this scene plays off. Acts 2, from verse 1 to 12. It's the day of Pentecost where a lot of people come to Jerusalem. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. The one thing that the disciples knew that they should do, the Spirit was not yet given. They could not yet go and proclaim the word. But the one thing that they could do is that's be together. They did that. They were together. And thanks for all of you that are just hearing the call to be together. It's necessary. And the time for us, you know, to isolate and to be away, that, that time has passed now. God is calling us again to be intentional and to come together. And it says, as they were together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. There all the people, every nation, they were represented here. And as the sound, the multitudes came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medeas, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. I don't know how that word even... Perchaia and Pamphylia, 
Egypt and the parts of Libya. That's how the disciples were sitting before the time and trying to pronounce the places that they were going to have to go through. We can't even speak the name. How are we going to reach the people? From Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We heard them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What an excellent question. What does this mean? And what it means and what God is showing to his disciples is when I call you to go and reach all the nations, to go and make disciples of all the nations, and you are deliberate and intentional in submitting yourself to my will and coming together with my people and having an outlook on life that knows that you are called to go out and proclaim that message, I will empower you to do that. I will literally in one day come and give all of you the ability to reach every nation under the sun. I will, through my spirit, enable you to do what I have called you to do. You don't worry about that. If you are intentional to gather with my people, so that my spirit might fill you to be sent out to go and proclaim my world, I will do that through you. You do not need to worry about that. And that same scripture of 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul speaks about the ministry of reconciliation. It says in verse 20, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us be reconciled to God. God is making his appeal through us. He is working through us. And then maybe this first day the disciples thought, wow, amazing. Because after that Peter stood up, preaches the gospel. 3,000 people come to salvation. 3,000 people. And they baptized them. Imagine, you know, the bicep workout. Maybe they were skinny, but after that, no. 3,000 people. There they went. After that, 2,000 people. And they might think, to themselves, wow, this is going to be easy. We love this. And we get that high sometimes as well. Some missions, you know, we go on to, and everybody just seems to be coming to salvation. And then other ones, like, wow, we don't know what happened, but as if we hit a wall. And then God sent us to go and do some preparation work for someone else to actually come and harvest. And we'll see that in a moment as well. But in chapter 4, something different happens. Peter and John go out to proclaim the message of the gospel. And instead of 3,000 people coming to salvation, they take them captive. They imprison them. They charge them not to speak this name of Jesus. And they beat them. Thinking, wow, that, that didn't go quite as we expected it to go, 3,000 people, 2,000 people beating. What just happened? They're a bit discouraged and they again go together to the one thing that they know that we should do and that is gather together. And they go and they gather with the disciples and they pray to God. And we read here in, verse, in Acts 4, verse 31, the following. After they were together and after they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, when God's people came together and said, Lord, these people are persecuting us. Please prepare for us a way so that we can continue to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is. God said, I will again fill you with my spirit and I will again give you boldness. Every time that you draw near to me, United as believers and you ask to fulfill the purpose that I've called you to. I will again fill you with my spirit to go and accomplish what I've sent you to. That takes us to point number two. 
in the vicinity of my calling. Point number one, every believer is called to preach the gospel. Point number two, we are sent out through the Spirit with believers. We are sent out through the Spirit with believers. And again, you know, point number one is going to determine how effective we are with point number two or how intentionally it comes. If we live with this awareness, if we're continuously drawing near to God, knowing that we are called, we, we might be called or we could be called. No, we are called to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel. That is what God has called us to. And many times we, we look at it, but we think, yo, it's, I've, I've, I've many times gotten a bit distracted and thought to myself, wow, can there be any more like frustrating calling in the world to go and convince people to follow God that by nature are hostile towards God? No, we were there once, we know how we were. You know, many times we think, yeah, why don't people just believe, you know, why, is, why does it seem so difficult sometimes? And it's because the enemy comes and just shifts our focus to where it should not be at. The first reason I believe that we might sometimes think that it's a very difficult task is because we are focused on the result and not the task. God never called us to go and save people. He called us to go and proclaim the gospel. He will save them. He will do his work. Then many times we so focused on the outcome. We are so focused on people coming to salvation. It seems hard. No, Lord, it's not happening the way I expected it to happen. I'm not seeing the results I wanted to see. And God's like, no, I didn't call you to look there. I simply called you to listen to me, to obey my leading, and to go and proclaim the message that saves. I will do the saving work. And then secondly, it's a bit more of a, a harsh point, but a truth nonetheless. Just speaking in general, you can examine your own heart, where you're at and how you are doing. But we really don't do much when it comes to this point of going and proclaiming the gospel. When was the last time that you as an individual proclaimed the gospel to someone? Intentionally, you know, praying for someone and then going to them and knowing that I've prayed for this person. I'm intentional going to them, sharing the gospel. Before then, when was the last time? You know, when we look at our intentionality... And how often we share the gospel is the result and still a surprise. Or do we then go, okay, now that kind of makes sense. Only told two people. No one got saved. Makes sense. There's a harvest out there and it's ready. Now God says not only is the harvest huge, not only is it big, not only is it great, but it's also ready. We read here in John 4, from verse 35 to 38, Jesus speaking to his disciples just, just after he met the woman at the, at the well, encounters her, you know, speaks truth into her life. She comes to realize that Jesus is who he says he is, goes into the town, proclaims her testimony, and he says that many people believed. And his disciples come and says, Lord, yes, I'm food. And he says, now I have food to eat that you don't know of, and that is to do the will of my Father. And that is where we pick up here in verse 35. He says to them, do not say... Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. How, how good is that? That what God does through us, he will reward us for that work one day in heaven. An eternal wage for something that he does through us, for something he carries out in us. Amazing. 
gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Others have prepared. God has worked in hearts. He has done a great work. All he is calling us to is to go out, to lift up our eyes. Jesus is saying, look church, can you see? When you think of your friend, when you're thinking of your family, don't wait three months. Don't wait four months till you think they are ready. Look and behold, the harvest is ready. If people sown seeds into their lives, I've prepared hearts. All I'm calling you to do is to look. To look to the harvest. And the reason Jesus says look and not necessarily go is because he knows that those who know who he is, that has experienced his love, when they look, when they see the brokenness of this world, and they realize, hey, I actually carry what can go and heal that. What can go and fix that? What can go and add hope into that hopelessness? I am carrying that. I know that. I've experienced that. So when I see, the inevitable outcome is to go. And Jesus is kind of asking the question, when you see, what do you feel? Do you also have compassion? To see that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? Or do you get angry? you look to the news or what's going on in this world, what do you feel? What is it that, that comes out? Is it kind of a disgust? You know, a hatred or some anger? Because then God's saying, maybe my love hasn't worked in your heart as it should have. Because we are that without Jesus. Helpless, broken, hating one another, lost, tired. And the only reason we are not there is because we know Jesus. And when we see, there's supposed to be a realization, but I know what's supposed to go and fix that. And that is Jesus. He can heal that brokenness. And I am carrying that. What a privilege, but what a responsibility. That's why Paul writes to Timothy and says, God, the good deposit entrusted to you. See the value of it. Know what it can do. But look, lift up your eyes and see. The brokenness of this world. And that takes us to the last point tonight. In the vicinity of my calling. Point number one. Every believer is called to preach the gospel. Two. We are sent out through the spirit with believers. Point number three. The harvest is plentiful. But the harvest is also ready. God has worked in hearts. He has prepared people. He knows whom he have called. He's just asking us church. I want you to do a couple of things for me. That is come together intentionally and ask me to send you out in unity gather together and I will fill you with my spirit and then look just see the brokenness of this world I will do the rest I will gather now as we read through the book of Acts continuously as people get saved at the end of the chapter it says and the Lord added to their number they proclaimed they baptized, they laid their hands and prayed, they cast out the demons, but God added to their number. He is building his church. And God added to their number. And he's calling us to go out and he will add to our number. Those who are saved. It's a work only God can do. We're going to end off us in prayer. Then you can turn to one another on Zoom. You're going to go into breakout rooms. And I want us to discuss two things. Firstly, 
the Bible says, always be prepared to make a defense for the hope that you have in you. We are to be ready when someone comes to explain to them, this is the good news of the gospel. This is why I believe in Jesus. This is my testimony. How ready are you? When you feel someone comes up to you or when you think about going out, are you ready? Do you have the message? Do you know what you've been entrusted with? That you can share it in season and out of season. To share the message of the gospel. Because the harvest is ready. And then secondly, I want to chat about how intentional are we seeking God to send us out? How intentional are we focusing at work? Am I nephew or cousin? I'm not always sure what it is in English, but I think it's cousin. My nephew? My cousin. My cousin? My nephew. My cousin. No, it's the same age actually. If he was older, was he something different? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, now it makes sense. Okay, my cousin, my cousin, he tells me he's going out to go and, you know, to, to go and meet with some of our old friends from high school and, and so forth. And there was something that just so encouraged me. And he says, as he's driving there, he's continuously praying, Lord, just show me that one opportunity. Just show me that one person. And that's the intent that God has called us to live with. Everywhere we go, Lord, just show me that one person, Lord. Just show me that one moment. And he waits there and he, he waits for his cue and then he jumps. Okay, this is that moment. I'm ready. I'm ready to share. I'm ready to impart what God wants to do in lives and what he's done in my life as well. Now at work, firstly, you're obviously called to do your work well to the glory of God. To do what you do really well, but also while you are there to be intentional in proclaiming the message of the gospel, to be ready to ask God, Lord, show me, Father, where these people are. Give me a, a moment, give me opportunity. But from my side, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So speak about, are you ready with the message? And then secondly, are you always aware and asking God to lead you to the people around you? So let me pray for us and then we can go into our groups. Yes, Lord, Father, thank you, Lord, that, that we can again just say thank you. Thank you for coming healing our hearts, Lord. Thank you for showing us, Lord, the truth and the message of the gospel, Lord, the glory of who Jesus is. Thank you for bringing healing, Lord. And yes, everything's not perfect. We are not perfect. We're certainly not immune, Father, to the pressures of this world. We also face the challenges, Lord. We have the hope of Jesus in us, yet not immune, Father, to the depression that's in this world, Lord. We have the revelation of who God is, Lord, yet not immune, Father, to the darkness in this world, Lord, getting angry, Father, getting depressed, Father, not knowing what to do always, Father. We still sin. We also groan and moan, Father, for the things in our lives that we wish we didn't do, Lord, wish we didn't think, wish we didn't say. But you are doing a work in us, Lord. And we know that joy, Father. And as we draw near to you, Lord, we grow more and more to love you, Lord. More and more to obey you, Father. More and more looking like you each day. And sometimes we feel, Lord, that we really missed it, Father. And we back at point, point zero, Lord, or even worse. But yet you still come and you do your work in us, Father. And thank you, Lord, that we experience that goodness. And I just want to come and pray, Father, for any one of us that experienced something different, that experienced condemnation, saying we are not worthy, we are not good enough. Lord, that is of the enemy, Father. That is not your voice. We never were good enough. That is why you needed to come down, Lord. So that based upon your work on the cross, we can be saved. We can draw near with boldness. And thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for living with that hope. 
And we pray, Lord, to just lift our eyes, Father, so that we might see, Father, the brokenness of this world. And knowing, Lord, that we carry the truth that can go and set people free, that can bring hope into hopelessness, Lord, that can turn hard hearts, hearts of stone into hearts of flesh that feel with love and compassion. And thank you, Lord, that you do it through us, your body, united together. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn to one another and enjoy that chat. And on Zoom, I hope you enjoy your breakout rooms.